Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Yep. It's on. Hey, All right. we're on. We're here. So, so hi, this is, this is, this is, this is, um, Craig, Crash Desk Craig, RDC, uh, 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 what else do I could call it? Papa Beard and Ghost Coach? One very rarely. Um, hi, <laughs> hi Craig, and I'm Cody, Codemaster, Codeman, uh, Pastor Extraordinaire, Fantasy Football <laughs> Legend. Wow! Even stuck on my shirt. <laughs> I meant the shirt. Well, here, here's my claim to fame: is is that one of my hurdlers? Was in, in the, the Olympic, Olympic trials, Olymp- Olympic trials, and I'm re- he he didn't make it, which is so sad. Uh, but if he would have made it, it would have ruined my coaching opportunities when he got back. Because who would want to talk to me when they could have this Olympic hurdler be their coach? So there's a part that's slightly grateful that you know oh, my dang. my this, this good kid, this great kid, just didn't quite make it this time. Anyway. <laughs> And remember, we're putting this out here. We're not editing this. So I know. See, I don't you, notice uh, I didn't mention his name. He'll know if he listens. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Well, we have a guest today, and our guest is Reverend Joe Kim, an ordained hey. elder in the Pacific Northwest Conference of the United Methodist Church. And I was just explaining to Craig how I met Joe or how I, so, so I knew of Joe. We'd been to. So Cody, Cody, how, how did you meet Joe? <laughs> okay. So there. let me tell you, because there's a connection to our story, Craig. It's interesting. So I want to make sure it seems like it's conversation rather than you just taking off on a monologue. So. Yeah. So what's up is, uh, you know, bumping into, you know, like seeing, uh, never saying anything though. But the very first time I spoke to Joe, I don't know if he remembers this or not. But it was because of Brian McLaren. So see, Craig, the connection is There we go. So it was at a Northwest Leadership Institute where they hosted Brian McLaren as a uh, presenter. And he said some stuff. And Joe stood up and asked a question. (laughs) You remember this, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He asked the question. It was great. It was a great question. And Brian McLaren, who I I like Brian McLaren a lot. But in this instant, he just dropped the dude. He, He... (laughs) <laughs> I, I can't remember his answer was just like oh that was that was sad yeah so i mean it's okay, well, let me so, just say right, it is so back. good to be with y'all because this is cool and i'm i'm having fun already and we just hit record so this is gonna be great so oh, so okay God. so you, you, what uh, just out of curiosity what had brian just published perhaps so get a, a time for that that what was the what was the what was the question and response that's i'm really curious about that Joe, do you remember what your question was? Yeah, yeah. well, so um, I don't remember the exact name, but it, it was he was promoting um, the the conversation that he was having with interfaith stuff. So I think it was like him and uh, 
uh, I, I want to say there was uh, imam and a rabbi, you know, and, and they were promoting this kind of floor right. of right. Uh, a conversation and dialogue. And uh, before we got to that part of the program, uh, Brian McLaren was giving this really good history and, and dissecting kind of uh, the, the, the road of how we in America got to this kind of evangelical, very uh, uh, perspective and then started breaking some of that down. So how do we uh, talk about worship? How do we talk about uh, church polity? How do we talk and, and just kind of history, right? Even going back to crusades. And he was talking about the song um, called um, How He Loves. Um, it's, you know, I think David Crowder may have done it. There, it it's, yeah. it's, you know, how he loves us so. How oh, right, right, yeah. Us. That's the right. one with the sloppy wet kiss uh, yes, lyric. That yes, one, that <laughs> yeah. one. Yep, so he was talking about that. And, and I think he actually referenced that too. He's like, who wants to sing about God giving a sloppy wet kiss? Anyway, because he said there's a couple issues with the song, right? And he was like, first of all, like how much we talk about uh, he, right? Throughout the whole song, God is referred to as this he, right? So does that limit our perspective of understanding who God is? So that's fair, cool. But then he was talking about how he was at a retreat or some conference, praise team or praise band was, was playing the song and they sang that chorus, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us, how he loves us, oh, over and over. And he, he said some number, I'm not gonna know what it is, but like 35 times <laughs> or something, right? <laughs> And then he yeah. said this stuff. He has this. He has this question. This rhetorical question, basically, like, who needs to hear that? And the point he was trying to make was, we in Christianity uh, internalize so much and make Chris our face about an inward experience. I need God right. to love me, right? Are we not looking out beyond ourselves? It was a good point. But I got to tell you, I was one of like five people of color in that room. And it was, you know, I mean, it was a big, right? It was, it was a decent sized conference. And I was one of few people of color there. And I'm going, hold on, like I do, because there are places in this world, in our society, in our communities where people are like, you don't belong. Like we don't love you, right? Just on the basis of identity. And I think we can say similar things about sexuality and gender identity and all of that stuff, right? And so uh, ability and disability. And so, um, so I kind of asked him, I was like, hey, I really appreciate this point. Like, I appreciate what you're saying, but what do you say or what do you do in diverse spaces where there are not just one identity, but we all, and even like the hidden identities, right? Like people who are uh, navigating a, a cancer or disability or, or, or who people who are living through whatever it is, like mental health, uh, divorce, uh, uh, marital issues, all of those things. How do you say to a group like that, like who needs to hear that God loves you? So I asked that question, right? And he goes, he goes, <laughs> and I, I'm trying to be careful because I First like. Well, that's a fair. very difficult question to answer. Right, right, fair. Yeah, it's a great question, <laughs> but yeah. So, so I, as I, I, you know, I, I asked that, and I, I sit down, and he goes, I want, I, I want you all to hear what Joe just did. He, 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 he stood up. Uh, reframed what I said, asked a question, but did it in a loving way. So I, I want all of us to sit with it for just a minute. And so we did, right? And I was like, I was like, oh yes. He's like thinking about what he's gonna say. And I like, again, I like his stuff. I read his stuff. I'm, I appreciate his wisdom. So I was like really excited. I was like, oh, okay, he's got something. And then he goes, all right, who's next? What other questions might we have? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. so I walked up to Joe afterward and I was like, dude, man, I really, first of all, I really appreciated that question because it totally like, I was like kind of nodding along, you know, with Brian McLaren, but that's, you know, 
I need, for me, that's, I do need to have it not be about me. Mm-hmm. But then to hear somebody bring up a whole, I was like, oh my gosh, I had not even thought about that. So I gave a, I locked up John, gave him a, you know, a, a, a fist and was like, yeah, that was great. And I'm, and I'm very sad that he didn't really <laughs> answer your question. And we, we kind of joked about it. And then we kind of, ever since then, I've had wow. you know, more conversations and stuff, but yeah. So just as a musical side note, if we had musical transitions fading in and fading out, we should have uh, John Mark McMillan's version of Oh, How He Loves Me instead of Crowder's. And and then we would transition to Common Hymnal, Not Just For Me. And then boom, we talk about the next thing. You need to have this stuff queued up, ready to go, dude. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I, know, I can take some time, I suppose. <laughs> I know. <doesn't> it? <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think we're going to go with an F theme. Yes. F. F, F is the letter that we're going to focus on. So, Joe, the last like three episodes we've done or initially by accident all became alliterative. So one yeah, was what was, the first one was baseball, um, baseball, barbecue, books, books. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then, and then the next one we had a, a two part with a friend of mine named Kaylee, and so the alliteration really was it was Craig, Cody, and Kaylee. And Kaylee, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then and the last one was oh the letter right? oh, the oh. Olympics uh, Ord, o- or open and relational theology open and relational theology Otani because we Otani, are in yeah. love with oh. Shohei Otani oh my gosh oh. and the Olympics yeah so that's yeah. and now yeah. F. F yeah. is the word. F so we're going to go Phineas and Ferb. Phineas and Ferb, fondue, and, oh, and oh, wow. flambeau. That's what I was thinking oh, we okay. were going with this. <laughs> flambe. No, but flambe could work. We're going to talk about some food. Let's you talk know, about a, food. A topic I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So by the way, even though we don't have a sponsor, we could still cue, uh, try to get one out of this episode. I am drinking uh, Boyd's uh coffee they have the compostable k-cups i only buy the drip stuff with the compostable 100 percent compostable coffee uh k-cup portland uh uh, company and this is their high octane version so we'll see what happens (laughs) so you are gonna be lit i might it's my it's only my third cup of coffee today, but the others were just like regular, you know. <laughs> wow, dude. low octane. We we're like getting that kind of gets the pings and knocks, you know, in the engine. That low stuff. This one might overheat. So, uh, Craig, I was gonna comment on you. Seem very ebullient right now, and that now I think I know why. Well, it could be the, the it could be the experience I had at the gym. I had a great workout today, and then while I'm at the gym. Somebody came up to me and said, this is serious. I mean, I thought this, no, really? And anyway, somebody came up to me and said. They hit on you? Did they hit on you? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what it was. <laughs> if it weren't for your gray hair, I could oh, have sworn goodness. you were in your 20s. Oh, wow. I was like, that, I'd go with that. Going. That sounds fine. Yeah. So they, they, they gave me Still a little bubble, it. you know, bubbly feeling. So a little bit ebulence, ebulence, <laughs> ebulentivity. Hey, first of all, Craig, you, I'm sorry that I introduced the word because I know we're allergic to big words on this podcast. Yeah, just say bubbly. Hey, there you go. Yes. Where? How did we? Oh, yeah. Okay. Food. <laughs> not, not, 
Not fitness, food, Craig. Food. Oh, that works too. I just <laughs> glad you brought that up. So, <laughs> so food. So this is uh, I, I I wanted to have Reverend Joe on for a while actually, but it just struck me after I asked him. I was like, I just let's just ask him and have him on. But then I was like, well, what should we talk about? And I realized, you know, this dude, like what I, you know, so I follow him on his social medias, and a good chunk of his time, he posts his. Uh, the dinners that he, he makes at home. And he is an amazing at-home chef. He really is. He, al- he always uses a hashtag. What is it? Uh, second career? Or second career. Yeah. Second career. And I mean, he's putting out some, dude, Craig, I mean, you got to go see some of this food. It's fantastic. And I was like, I bet I can get Joe to talk about faith and food together. I know I can. And he was like, oh yeah, heck yeah, I can. That makes so, sense. Yeah, let's well, do it. Let's talk about food. The the, the thing you got to say before that though is you've only seen pictures of the food. So so we, so you know, I mean, whether the second career refers to cooking or photography, like that's a different oh, conversation. There is a right? difference. Yeah, there is a difference. You know, so uh, so that's uh, something that we got to figure out too. But yeah, I'm I'm so glad to be on this uh, on this podcast with y'all. Like you know, as Cody was saying, like we've been friends for a little while now, a couple of years, and it's been always fun to follow and 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 see all the good things that he's doing. But I gotta tell you, like. Uh, pandemic right like we're, we're all stuck at home we're trying to figure out what the heck do we do with our time uh the blessing was that you know for me uh, uh serving this church at Bothell I was not home often right in for dinner mm-hmm. right? there's mm-hmm. always right. meetings happening there's always things happening right um and so it was a time for me I got two little kids uh, now six and two and a half uh, my spouse Joanne, she's she's working for a local nonprofit as well. So we got busy lives, um, you know, running all that around. And and it was one of those opportunities where like, gosh, can we be intentional about sitting down for food? Um, I got to tell you, we ordered a lot early on. You know, it was like, sure, and then we realized yeah. we realized, you know, this budget is not going to sustain us for long. Um, <laughs> and we just started trying stuff. And I, I think you know that's something that I've always. Uh, wanted to get into but never had the time or creative energy to do so um i, I was one of those people who bought all those re- uh, recipe books you know or cookbooks oh, yeah, way sure. back and they they're in the library so that it looks cool but i've never tried any of them and <laughs> this was a time to do so so um yeah i mean that's how it kind of got started and uh and then now we just you know try to play around and see what happens and uh, see what the kids will eat that's an interesting right. dynamic too um but yeah that's kind of how it all got started when so, you so, this, so you haven't been a, a foodie for a long period of time. This is like a rel- relatively new excursion for you, right? Yeah, yeah. I like to eat, but I've never considered myself a foodie. You know, it's one of those things that you you eat what's before you, and you don't. You kind of just try stuff, but you know, actually being part of that creative process. You know, that, yeah. that, that's been fun. And just just uh, to keep things on track, that you just quoted a Bible verse from Luke ten: "Eat what is set before you." Very good. <laughs> Um, yep. Yeah. So. Food and faith. I love it. Yeah. Wow. Did you but, even notice um, you were done there, uh, Joe? No. It's no. Well, because I'm sure the scriptures are so deeply just uh, saying, steeped just in here. It's such a part of you. It's yeah. such a part of you now. It just yeah. flows out Ooh. of you. So is there is there a particular uh, type of food that you it, it appreciate most or just kind of experimenting with methods or different cuisines um i think i think the fun part for me is trying to identify what my kids will eat yeah 
right? And I think that there's a fun uh, game about that, right? Um, yep. You know, uh, so I'm Korean American, my, my spouse Joanne, she is as well. And so we try to blend as much flavor as we can. Um, and so we draw from some of those Asian uh, uh, spices, those Asian uh, sauces and flavors. And uh, so we do, you know, pork belly at home. We do, you know, Ooh. and then we do steaks and potatoes and, and corn, right? And like, you know, different seasoning and different, you know, and so it's just trying to figure out, you know, what do we have time for? What can we do? We eat a lot of garlic. Um, and so a lot of different things about what to do with garlic and how to, um, yeah. So it's, it's really, I mean, I, I don't think I've, I've kind of, uh, landed on a particular, uh, technique or, or particular, you know, a genre of food, but it's really, you know, what can I get and what, what can we have fun with? Yeah. We call that in, in the culinary world when they, when they are just, we, they don't know how to put a term on it. They just call it fusion. That's just fusion. fusion right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, but I got to, so, so, so the thing that the cool thing about food too, though, it's like, you know, I, I joke around with this hashtag second career and it's really just, just for fun. And it's something that, you know, I, I just like to spend time on and, and frankly try to get, you know, social media likes and, and whatnot, but there, there is something to it because, you know, one of my uh, passions or one of my dreams someday um, is to uh, start a restaurant actually. Um, and not not to be the so not to be the not to be the chef. I just gotta be very clear. Like I want right, people right, to show right, up, right. and I want people to eat, right? So like we're gonna we're gonna uh, hire that out, right? Get get somebody. <laughs> but but I think um, and this is where for me this this faith and food collide. Um, so the the concept in my mind is already it's called Preacher's House, right? Yeah. And it's uh, it's a place. So I'm I'm thinking I grew up in Ohio, and I'm thinking about all the times my dad was a pastor, my grandfather's pastor. So I'm thinking about the times after church or or in the week when we would always either have people over or go to people's houses for food. That was uh, yeah. regular, right? At least a couple yeah. times a week, yeah. or even after after church Sunday, we're always eating together, right? Yeah. Um, and so, what would it look like for us to create a community space where people gathered for food? And so, you know, I'm testing this, I'm playing this out, but it would be like uh, two services and it's literally what chef wants to cook because it would be family style. So you yeah, pay for the experience. You come at five o'clock, you come at eight o'clock, your dinner is an hour and a half or two hours. We turn over and we do it again, but it's whatever food is like, you know, and so the tables would be uh, more family style tables, kind of, you know, reminiscent of, I mean, I hate to say this, but reminiscent of fellowship halls, right? Back in right. the time when we were growing up, the 80s, 90s, yep. where yep. it was, you just sat and you sat down, you sat around people who you didn't know, you you talked, you caught up on yep. life, you see them yep. again next week who you haven't seen before, and you're like, oh, how's mom? Yep. Or how's, yep. how's aunt, right? I think that there's something really powerful about what uh, I love that. Together, right? there, there was a, a family style restaurant that we used to go to occasionally when we lived back in Pennsylvania, out in Lancaster county where the Amish folks are and uh, a lot of Amish out there. Yeah. But yeah. one of these restaurants was uh, Amish family owned and it was family style dining and it was those long tables. And so yeah. when you sat down, you could order your own individual entree, but uh, a basket of rolls was shared up and down the table. You had to pass along with the yeah. bird, like a big old thing of mashed potatoes was shared with, you know, with gravy up and down the table. You know, if you wanted meatloaf or if you wanted bratwurst or if you wanted something else, you can make your choices. But there were these shared elements. It was kind of it was it was yeah. cool. And then there was another That's restaurant cool. in um, Salt Lake City. And I think it had two, maybe three different franchises spread across the country. And they were based uh, they're They're connected with uh, was it Second Harvest where they pick up the outdated food. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. they never knew what was going to be on the, the, the menu. It just happened to be what was left over at the grocery stores. 
And my daughter was a cook there while she was in college. And uh, she really learned how to cook because she called me up every once in a while. Dad, I've got like a pound of fresh raspberries, an apple and a piece of salmon. (laughs) What, What should I do? Huh, okay, give, give me a moment. Yeah, and it was like, oh, so cool. So it, it throws you into that creative process. How do you blend mm-hmm. these things? Absolutely. Yep. Well, I, I love the know, idea I, of. Oh, go, oh, go ahead. ahead, Joe. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I, I think this creative creativity that comes from food yep. and and dining, and um, I, I really believe that we're not learning from the right people as we're coming out of pandemic. So, you know, we're, you know, for us here in Seattle, we are just starting the conversation about uh, gathering in person again. Right. Uh, we, we at Bothell, we're going to start in September. So we're, we're kind of on the later end, but we want to figure out how to do this well. I, I, I think that, you know, we need to be looking to other industries, in particular the restaurant industry, on, on how to do church and i'm not talking about mission and ministry i'm talking about you know sustaining the entity of our role in the community um how do we do that well it's got to be to me it's got to be through the restaurant and this is not all mine i've I've been uh pulling from podcasts and from a variety of different places uh dave chang uh who uh founder in uh, momofuku uh, enterprises and stuff he with uh, tv shows but he's one of them that i draw from but i mean if you think about restaurants right like restaurants um they probably were most impacted. One of the few, one of the one of the ones who was most impacted because of shutdown. Like eighty percent of their rent revenue at the time, pre-pandemic, was from butts in the seats. Twenty percent was from takeout, and they had to completely shift that model right. and figure out what it is, right? And then how do you keep people coming back and wanting to engage you, right? And then he said this, and which I loved. He said the one place that miracles happen in the world is the restaurant. Right. Because you come in and you're like, yeah, I have this allergy or, hey, I don't like this or, or right or wedding banquets. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I told you 25 salmon and 50 steak. I flipped it. I made a mistake. Right. Or, hey, I, I right? like the one place that actually miracles happen and people leave fed and, and, and sustained and hopefully happy is in the food and restaurant industry. Right? Uh, I think that there's well, something really uh, uh, meaningful about how we draw upon their experiences, because as they're reopening, and as they are drawing in people, they've had to do it in a way that was creative. So in, in Bothell and in Seattle, you got the street restaurants, right? Like they open up all the doors so that they put tables and put pavilions out, uh, had to rethink how we're delivering. Like you see all these pop-up delivery, uh, not pop-up, but these uh, you're, you're seeing pop up, these delivery uh, uh, companies that are shipping stuff from Nashville and Atlanta. And you can get, you know, the best, you know, chicken from Atlanta and you can the best, you know, whatever right, from all right. different parts. Like we, we as a church, I think we're, we're, we're not looking in the right places because the restaurant, I think, is going to be the industry as they survive, hopefully, um, how we drop them. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things there. I wonder, um, one, I, I love the, the, there was a, one of the things our family used to do for a period of time, it didn't become a long lasting habit, but when we're standing in the, in the line of the grocery store, we would always read the, the uh, national yeah inquire what yeah. daily star i forgot you know one of those really weird ones and there was one article about uh that, that caught our attention it was about uh restaurant found serving same uh bread and fish as jesus <laughs> and we read the article there's a restaurant somewhere near the sea of galilee that as a at still the food they are serving is the food they, they don't have to buy fish and they don't have to buy bread because they are still <laughs> the bread is still multiplying 
it, it, it didn't stop. The of the and it just made awesome. me think when you said, you know, it's a place where miracles happen. Oh, that's good. You know, oh, um, man. it's how do you, how do you, where, where else do we go, you know, to have this sense of flourishing? Mm. Um, the, the beauty of beauty of a restaurant or the beauty of the restaurant food is this sense of uh, flourishing of, you know, yes. there's, there's choices, there's, there's a variety, there's nourishment, and then yeah. there's a table for interacting. It's, yes. um, yeah, I love that, that there's a place where miracles happen. And uh, speaking of, so that reminded me, Craig, what you just talked about, I, it was a joke article, I know, but actually they've discovered um, this pub in Ireland has been continuously in operation. They've done the archeology span on this, and here's the amazing thing, but, has been in operation serving food and beer and drink and spirits since 900 AD. It's the oldest uh, established continuous. What is that? How many years is that now? So that's more than a thousand uh, over almost. Yeah. Over 1100. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and here's the amazing part. So they have the current owner has a, a, a book that literally details from 900, the first owner, all the way to like, it's a continuous wow. record of, of ownership. They have it yeah. all the way. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so miracles. And uh, look, so um, Joe, when you're talking about learning from the, uh, basically what we call the hospitality. Yeah, really. Right, right, so right. this pub has been going for not since 1100 years and yeah. is in no danger of going anywhere. It's like established, right. rooted, and but it's not stuck in 900 AD. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah. That's so good. Adapted, grown, changed. That's good. So you got your rooted in its original mission, but it's still serving today, but in new and creative ways. Oh, man, I love it. That's right. cool. Yeah, that's really good. Well, and just as a whole, right? I mean, so the church, right, has been in existence since then as well. And how do we look at the different um, itinerations, right, of, yeah. of what the church has done? And, the, and, and then coming to grips with, the, with this, this concept, like every church is not for everyone. Right. I, I, right. I think there's something in the beauty in that. Right. Like it's, yep. it's how do you best connect to your in this case, your soul food? You know, right. like there's nights that I'm going to want sushi and Japanese and there's nights that I'm going to want, you know, uh, Mexican and nights that I'm going to want some good old comfort food. Like, how do you decipher for yourself? So then what that takes, what that means is that we got to be cultivating a taste budness. Right. How do we yeah. help our folks? Right, to start from themselves, how do you best connect with God? Because right now what we're doing is who has the flashiest signs, right? Yeah. Yeah, who yeah. has the biggest yeah. whatever, right? Who has the, the fanciest, the, the showiest? And uh, you know, I, I think that's what we're learning from the restaurant industry too, as a lot of these franchises, they, they have no, like there's no uh, 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 worry for them going out of business, right? A lot of these, you know, McDonald's, right? right. Uh, these ones I'm talking about. <laughs> but we're also seeing these popping up these local uh, farm to tables, these you yep. know, sustainable. Yep. And, and, and so now we're, we're, we're seeing how our culture is shifting towards uh, our values. What does that mean for us? How do we, and, right. and there are times, we, right? Go ahead. We've, we've got these two different uh, tracks then, you know, going between hospitality and, well, maybe call it hospitality, but we've got church and we've got the food industry. We've got in the church world, we've got a number of different, uh, emanations of what a local fellowship looks like. It has the flavor of the local. It it you know works to develop relationships on the ground in the neighborhood. 
uh, it, you know, it speaks the language of the people, et cetera. You know, and so you've got all these small kind of mom and pop restaurant yep. churches. I mean, that's that's what they do. And then, which is actually probably what, 80, 90 percent of the churches, in, at least in North America. But then you've yep. got the major brands, you know, the, the, the Red Robins and the uh, TGI Fridays. The and you've got you know, Bethel, Vineyard. Yeah. And you, yeah. But and, and there's no there's no there's really a very little threat that those major chains, like you said, are going to go anywhere. They're just going to keep doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also tend to crowd out the, the narrative. And so what does it mean to be church? Well, it means to be those big, flashy things. And it's yep. hard to get the, the notice, perhaps, the, 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 the awareness of what the majority yeah. of churches are actually like. Yeah, yeah for um, every one Bethel, there's 900, you know, a Bothell, you know, UMCs that are, yeah, like that. Yeah. They, they are their local church, you know. Although I guess yeah. the UMC is kind of like a franchise. Well, uh, that's true too. It's <laughs> true, but I mean, you, you, but yeah, it is kind of a franchise. But still, even I think some of those mainline denominational models do give the emphasis on local connectedness. Yeah. Right. Whereas some of those larger chains <laughs> do have a one size fits all. You follow this pattern. In fact, right. in fact, install the screen so that you don't even have to have a pastor that's right. local. Right. We'll just yeah, you just in. bring the satellite and yeah. Yep. Yep. But I, I think also, I mean, and, and again, going to the restaurant industry, there oftentimes, right, you, there, there's not a contentment when it's, uh, when it's your own shop, right? I, I think if your food is that good, and if you're creating environment and atmosphere that people want to, at some point, you're going to outgrow your location. Right. And I think that there's something beautiful there, too. So, I mean, I was in New York and uh, I lived in New York before coming out to Seattle. And there was um, a, an amazing uh, is a locally owned uh, a Jamaican food uh, uh, restaurant. Right. And I can't remember the name of it. I can I can see it. But I can't remember even what it's called. But there was two locations and they were about to start a third as I was leaving. Right. Yeah. It's not because they were like, hey, we're going to franchise and take over all of no. New York City or Manhattan. It was right. we are we, people are coming from the Lower East Side all the way up to Harlem to come get our food. We need to start a location there so that they could develop its own culture. And so for us as church, yes, there is something to say. We got to design our flavor to be true and authentic to the community we're rooted in. Right. But gosh, if we're doing our jobs well. If we are sh- uh, sharing that message of love and of, of hope, and if we're providing that for our community, like we should want to multiply that, right? We should want people to engage in so, that and drop people in. So it's good flavor as well as integrity that becomes kind of the, the, the thing that, that, that is attractive. Mm, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. intentionality, right? Like I'm not trying to franchise. Right. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring you know, to the communities, this thing that brings people joy, right? Whether it's right. food or whether it's this gospel message or whatever, yep. you know, where we're drawing from. And so I think, I think that's the, that's to me, my fear, right? As we're coming back out of uh, this pandemic and as we, a lot of uh, communities are starting to think about uh, in-person gathering, like we can't go back to, I just want to be insulated, right? And insular, right? And <coughs> stay rooted in who I am. Yes, there's a part of that, that you got to stay true to that. But if we're only doing that for ourselves, then right. how are we not reaching right. and, and sharing and touching the lives of those around us? Yeah. 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 Stop, stop hoarding the soul food. Right. Stop hoarding the soul food. Exactly. Exactly. 
and food's meant to be shared. I mean, I, I don't know. Right. I, like when I when I, I hate eating alone. When I was single and I was I was living in New York, I, I would go to bars, you know, and I would have like my restaurant or my bar that I would go to on a regular basis when I right. had no one to eat with. Because I'm like, man, I just I need to be around people. And and food for me, like if if you know if there's bad service or if there's something, if I'm mad when I sit down and eat, like I get indigestion. Like I, I just don't have a good experience, and so food like breaks down those um those those barriers to experiencing life in ways i just think you know food does the best in all of us and, and we don't always do the best back for it or for each other that's oh. yeah yeah in fact it almost sounds like uh when when depending on what mood you're in it, when you sit down to eat it's good to go through uh an invocation you know some some way to make yourself be present yeah. You know, if, if you're filled with stress, anger, anxiety, whatever, it's almost, I was thinking, you know, back to this idea of, of, a, of a worship, you know, you got to prepare yourself to receive. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay, so Joe, talk about a little bit um, how you, uh, how this, how your work with your kids and getting them and their interest into it also connects to all this too, right? Yeah. I, I can see the connection. But let me hear you. you yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's what's funny is, you know, what, what is that stat? Like every every three weeks, like you're at the age of five, like your taste buds change completely yeah. over. And so you're like trying to like experience new things. I think what I'm what I'm what I'm working with them on and then trying to pull this out, I guess, for this larger conversation is there's a balance of saying like you got to eat to sustain yourself. So therefore, yeah. you have to have a veggie. You have to have a protein. You have to. Right. right? Um, and I want to give them the, I want to empower them. And I that's not even the right word. I want them to have the ownership of saying, I want to eat. I yeah. want to eat this. I want to have my own opinions on that. Right. And yeah. so I think that for me, like as uh, their dad and now like looking at the scope of church, right. There's this balancing act of, uh, this is going to sound bad, but I'm going to say, like, I know what's best for you. <laughs> right. right? And so with my kids, I can say that because I have, you know, 33 years of experience over them. And I can say, hey, listen, like, this is what science tells us. And, I'm, you know, we know this. At church, right. it's a little bit trickier. We can't, you know, yet. Uh, because we right. may know better, but you can't tell them you know better. You can't say right. that. Right. Yeah, right. And so then you, you tie back to role and responsibility. I've been to uh, seminary. Right. Uh, <laughs> for a long period of time because i didn't do well the first time but <laughs> no and so i think that's that's the key right how do i uh, uh uh and maybe that's why this whole i'm just making this connection now i think this is why this whole uh, preacher's house uh, uh works for me is like giving the chef the ownership of like yeah. creating what to decide because i think um i want to know that my role here as lead pastor of awful is specifically tasked to lead and guide this community towards uh walking into beloved community right or walking into right. sacred wealth or, or, or belovedness so so i think that uh, if when i make it less about my knowledge and less about that but say hey i've been tasked by god that i've been tasked by god to 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 lead our folks then i think that that's where that connection goes so then i can say hey like, I may not know what's best for you, but I am praying hard every day and want to believe that I know what's best for our community because I'm so in tune with what God's heart is. And I hope that there'll be alignment in that, right? And so for my kids, it's like, hey, you got to eat a vegetable because it's going to, you know, vitamins and energy and all that stuff. Um, I yeah. think, you know, that's where that connection lies for me. 
I love it. What are the what, the airplanes are coming down low. I was gonna say there must be airplanes, dude. That's what it's yeah. like. So um do you do you cook with your children? Um and does, yeah, does that do. help break down some of that barrier if you do? Absolutely. And, and that's that's the fun part. You know, um a, a friend of ours, a church member here, they got um our kids this this cutting set, right? With these like, you know, steel, uh, uh wool, you know, gloves and, and, and so they're able oh, yeah. to cut and actually chop. Um and 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 you know, it's it's been fun to just um, and come up with a menu together, you know, and say, all right, so here's what's in the fridge. Like, what do, you, what do we want to try to eat? Or what do we want to make today? And right. what will that look like? And then giving them jobs and responsibilities and, and, and then saying, and then afterwards being like, look at what we created yeah. together. There's something really beautiful in that. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I was thinking, like, when, when you think you know better, which, I mean, you do, but then they get to be part of the creative process yes it brings them along with a, the persuasions a little bit easier yeah exactly and, and now at least from most of my kids yeah all of my kids are pretty exploratory eaters you know they'll try anything because you know we kind of grew up with that sense of experimentation and participation wow. i don't i don't think there's anything that my kids would initially go oh no i'm not gonna eat that it, right very cool. I love it. Exploratory. Okay. Speaking of exploratory and exploration, our next F that I want to talk about. Yes. Okay. He's got a few extra minutes. All right. Let's, let's talk filthy. Uh, okay. No. All right. So let's talk about the filthy rich and moving oh. into space, exploring space. That's what I want to talk about. The filthy rich. Oh so today, Jeff Bezos, and from your neck of the woods there, uh, oh, you're I'm sure street. a neighbor, right? Down the street. <laughs> <laughs> um, he just went up and returned. It was an 11 minute flight. Um, I, so I guess I don't know how high you get in 11 minutes. I think they said uh, 66 miles with four minutes of weightlessness. Wow. Yeah, okay. And and just a few was it a week ago? Also, Richard Branson made a trip mm -hmm. up yeah. into yeah. the lower reaches of space. And then somebody else, oh, Elon Musk, right, is uh, planning his. <laughs> so, yeah. What's up with the filthy rich going into space? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What is it going to lead to? Is it, are there positives that will come out of this? What's up? What do you, think, what do you guys think? Oh, goodness. <laughs> is it only setting up? Here's my thought. Like, it's only setting up space tourism, maybe. Is that what is the, the deal? Like, for wealthy people who can afford to take trips? So, it's, it's, it's I think there's this interesting uh, separation, though, between um, SpaceX and perhaps yeah. what Branson and uh, Bezos Virgin, are doing. Virgin Space and then yeah. uh, Blue something. Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but the one thing about SpaceX is they, they, at least they went through the whole research process, but they developed a partnership. Maybe that's not the right word, but they, they are a, they are a, a supplier. They're, they're a necessary component of international space station supply. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, you know, they're, they're sending back and forth trained technicians and scientists. It's not, it's not the, um I tourist aspect yeah right. yeah and it's like okay i can you know the what what would be awesome though is someday with uh elon musk and spacex is all of a sudden they decide you know they they buy out let's say ups 
And now I have all these people in brown shirts and shorts running into space, you know, and <laughs> dropping off the food package for the International Space Station. But sure. so I, I do think there's a difference between those, uh, between SpaceX and the other two. The okay. other two, the other two do have that sense of the vanity, vanity project. Yeah. Look what I did. Yeah. 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 Well, so look what I did, what, and there's that a multiplication piece to it too, right? It's not just look yeah. what I did. It's like, what's that there for, right? And I, right, yeah. What's I, I think there's, there? right, and I think that there's something interesting about this desire and reach for like, how do we enter into the unknown? And yeah. if, if that's not the mystery of faith, right? Like, then what is, right? So, like, I think that there's that, yeah. and there's this, there's this symbolic nature of, but gosh, they're doing it on their own, and what does it mean to do it in community? And I think that that's where for me the rub is. I, hmm. I, I'm like, cool, explore. Like, uh, science is great. I want to know what's out there. Like, I want to be part of that. But when you, when you, when you single handed, single mindedly do it like your way, and there's this lack of like communal uh, walking, yeah. that's where, that's where it's, it struggles me. You know, there's, right. there's a, have you, have you read uh, The Sparrow by Mary Dory Russell? No. Is it good? Uh, so it, it, trying to keep the plot kind of tight because it's a two volume set, but it's a story of a, 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 a business doing interplanetary exploration. Along the way, um, a missionary, a, I, think, a, I think a Jesuit missionary goes along. And the main thing there is the company wants colonization, you know, good old mm. fashioned, you know, yeah, right. Colonialism. You know, colonialism. And uh, they want to take advantage of that. Well, but the friend, yeah. the, 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 monk the priest just has an earnest desire to do mission mm. uh he ends up getting uh kind of i think he's kidnapped he stays there with the people kind of understands the native culture uh and then comes back a very changed and drastically altered person but still focused on this idea of mission mm. and it it bezos and branson make me wonder about who were those monks who traveled with the the explorers who went to um the the indies the dutch you know so, you know the so, southeast asia and took advantage of the spices uh, but they took some monks along and you know the conquistadors who wiped out civilizations in south america but they also gave a foothold for some mission cloak it. work cloak it in missions yeah give it a cover yeah <sighs> But it's it's yeah. really just colonialism and, and empire building. Yep. Yes. Yep. yes. Yep. That is the danger, isn't it, of uh, continued space exploration? Or do we do we hitch a ride so we, we just... can go convert more Martians? <laughs> I mean, uh... yeah, right. Oh man. Uh, okay, so a lot of people's reaction to it has been okay. So we got these three filthy rich billionaires uh, doing essentially you know, a, a, a measuring contest of, of rockets to uh, <laughs> who, can get to, who can get to space first. And the reaction is, well, why can't we be using the money for, you know, to help people here who are having problems and stuff. And it got me thinking, guys, I want to, okay, hear me out. Uh, so a lot of people talk about, you know, tax the rich, which I 100% I'm, I'm for and behind, but I started thinking about their wealth and their money. And you know that like, every way you can think of taxing them, they're never going to get taxed because their wealth isn't like you and I, you and I think money, dollar bills, right? Their wealth is almost imaginary in a sense. 
right? It's just bits and zeros and it's the promise of, of what they uh, can produce or, ha you know, based on what they have produced. And so it's almost like we are, they're on such another realm. Like it's almost angering even in another like, way. Like they're on another planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like they're, for them, they've reached that level of wealth where it's like money isn't even real. So there's no use even taxing them. There's you're not going to get anything ever from them. And I don't know, like that makes me even more upset. What do you guys think? So yeah, what, what is the taxing alternative? I, exactly. What do we do? How do you, how, do, how are we going to get something? I have an idea, of, but I mean, okay, let's hear it. Well, okay. no, let Joe, let Joe speak. I want to hear that idea, whatever that idea uh, okay. is. <laughs> I mean, what if, what if, what if you were to tax uh, trademark or patent ideas? Because one of the benefits of the, of the, the NASA programs through the sixties and seventies mm. was the immense innovation that took place in how to build a better car, how to develop yeah. educational curricula, you know, right. how to uh, develop pacemakers, heart surgery, how to improve so many areas of life, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's because the publics were largely patent, uh, patented to the federal government for the public use. There, you know, there's different, uh, different elements to it that were point. limited, but the knowledge was, was um, diffuse, diffused mm, through, yeah. through the economy. These privatized right. knowledge bases, which is a, nobody can look at it, um, makes me think that's where the taxation is. Oh, good point. Mm. Yeah, because think of how, how they have accrued this wealth that is so big, it's now just imaginary, right? right. That's really what it is. They've accrued it, every one of them, based off of work that has come before in the public, right? Like think of uh, Bezos and, uh, you know, could he have the wealth if he wasn't able to deliver the goods, you know, when people order their goods, the internet, right? He didn't create the internet, you know, like, but he so, rode on the cells of those things. So, so if they could prove that anything they've invented or developed had no use or had, no did connection. not use public <laughs> funds or shared resources at all, go ahead and keep it. But yeah, if you use you if if you if your if your engineers breathed air that's uh you know not owned by anyone well then you're out of luck. I think there have to be a lot of uh, changes probably in patent law you know to make that work because mm. because there, there would be there'd be the smaller you know inventor who just developed the uh, a better potato peeler you know would would that person be held up to the same standard then it's like well no sorry you made a great potato peeler but you know you don't get to keep the the patent. Mm. So how do you wow. make it apply to some and not a, to others? Good point. Well, and, and we're, we're, we're operating in the same system, right? That I think right. continues, right? And so I think at, at some, some point, there's got to be a reformation or re revolutionizing of, you know, all of it. Because I think right. the more we try to find solutions in the system that currently exists, uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep losing out on opportunities, I think, for that, you know, collaboration that community that 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 sharing of resources to to happen right um but in the meantime i, I say just keep taxing them <laughs> like i yeah, i get yeah. it right right so so I, it's that both end right how do we live in the now and how do we build something right. future I, yeah, I, I don't know I, and I just, the other the other piece of it is just 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 keep pushing towards incremental socialism yeah i mean because even if <laughs> yeah. you can't tax them 
uh, because they'll just pass on the the burden of the the financial burden into their products, and you know, yep. every, you know consumers end up paying the fees. That's it's right. only through some elements of you know probably liberal democracy or welfare capitalism or ele- you know elements of socialism that end up saying, no, you you cannot pass this burden on. Yeah, uh, yeah. and if you do pass yeah. this burden on, there's a part of the you know the national character, the way the economic the 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 you know federal economy is set up or whatever that picks up that price tag for you know, the regular person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think revolution is probably the right word for it. Uh, that's good. Well, that makes me think of you just, you know, passing it on. Um, actually, not just consumers, but the, uh, the workers. Yeah. Um, also, and obviously, so the, it's a weird system, man, because uh, every time like Amazon, for example, wants to expand Every place just goes into hyper, like, we'll give you this, we'll give you this, we'll do this yep. because we want you in here. And it does grow their tax base, but it grows their tax base because of the employees who work yep. for them. They're going to get revenue from the employees. It's never from Amazon or Jeff Bezos because they give them so much stuff to try and entice them there that they basically will build you this place. Mm. You know, we'll basically mm. give you this. And then you get nothing from Amazon or Bezos other than the employees. So they get work, which everyone's happy for and proud for, but then they end up paying all the taxes as the employees. So, wow. And that makes me think of LeBron James because LeBron, we had just learned this last week. LeBron James paid more in taxes this year than any owner of any team in the NBA. Did you know that? What? Did you read that article? Yep. <laughs> oh, more what? In taxes than any owner like Steve Ballmer, for example. Oh my gosh. So we're, we've got another F in here is uh, federal <laughs> income tax. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh-huh. Wow. wow. Isn't that insane? Wow. Employees shouldering the burden. Yeah. More than one. Well, he's, he can do it. He, he can handle it. I know. That. I mean, obviously. But, 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 for the, but for the regular Amazon worker yeah. or anybody else, it's not the same. Yeah, not the same burden. So, so I think the other element of it is, um, I think if we allow uh, some of the GQP, uh, formerly you know GOP, <laughs> if we let them keep talking, they're gonna they're gonna have to get behind union formation. That's right. Because we here 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 in uh, uh, our area, the major the three major healthcare networks, which cover probably eighty easily eighty percent of the state's uh, healthcare consumers. Yeah. Decided that you, beginning in September, if you do not get vaccinated, you may no longer have a job here. Can't, can't work and in so, the hospital. Yep. And so the conservatives are going, that's outrageous. That's what about fair. workers' rights? Exactly. And then other conservatives are going, it's not the job of the government to police mm-hmm. industry. We don't believe in regulation. And it's like, well, if those two things are true, you want workers' rights and there's no regulation, the logical outcome is workers need to organize mm-hmm. and to create unions. So yeah. perhaps conservatives will help create a union movement. <laughs> But only in the realm wow. of healthcare. Yeah, only, I don't know, yeah. More, only where it means more people could die. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, that's all. okay. So, uh, yeah. Um, speaking of employees and making money, here's why I wanted to talk about the NFL and football. Our third F, Aaron Rodgers. Do you guys know? Have you followed the story on Aaron Rodgers at all? Well, I, I, I read his tweet that he shot up during a golf match uh, like two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. 
it was so open-ended and vague that people went, <laughs> he, went nuts over it. He, so I would bring him up because here's a guy who gives no Fs right now. In fact, <laughs> the Packers, the Packers offered him a contract extension that would have made him the highest paid athlete, not just football player, athlete in history. And he turned it down. He just like, no, I don't. Uh, so he just, he, he does, I don't know what the deal is. I'm, I don't know where his mind is. I don't know if he's like, I just, I don't care about football anymore. So are you saying this is an money. F? Is this an F or is this a no Fs? <laughs> well, football Fs. Oh, okay. But, gotcha, gotcha, right. no, but he is giving no Fs because he's like, no, I don't want your money. Keep your filthy lucre. So, so what he tweeted during the, what was, what was the name of that golf match? You know, where it's pairing uh, up the, the, the match, the match, yeah, the, match the match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Match. Cause it was something like, uh, you know, I think it was, a, maybe it was a response to a reporter's question. What are you going to do when you go back to green Bay? And it was like, Oh, it, it waits to be seen or we'll, we'll figure <laughs> yeah, it out when we get there. Or, yeah. That's the whole but it wasn't has been like, whatever. Yeah. It, it wasn't a, I'm out of here, but it was like, Oh no, what does that mean? And I was, right. I was fascinated by the, how the that big answer parsing. became, Oh, that's an answer. It's like, nah, right. Trying to parse mm. everything. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I just like the, the money deal for me. It was like, oh, dude, like what more, well, can but he do? doesn't need does it. He, he doesn't need it. There? I know he doesn't need the money, but what's he going to do then? Does he just want to leave? Does he want to retire? I don't know. I can't figure it out. But. Maybe he just wants to, to uh, sell insurance. <laughs> just count double checks baby <laughs> just count double check <laughs> oh that's good okay so oh, what man. so what happens at, at this level it was interesting i remember probably 10 years ago um uh peyton manning he was probably what i, I forgot what he was getting paid 15 million dollars a year or something like that but oh, it please. put but it put the team over the salary cap by by several million dollars. And there yeah. were other, there are other uh, draft picks that they wanted, but they couldn't afford these others. And so Peyton Manning said, you're paying me too much. Mm. <laughs> uh, just, just, just take away a few million. I don't need that. Wow. Uh, you know, to bring other people into the league. Uh, all I've, right. I've kind of, I've kind of been a Peyton Manning fan, you know, but, but, that was a move from a guy saying, I don't need what you've got. I've got more than I yep. need. In fact, I've got yep. so much. I gave my money away to start a whole pediatric hospital in Indianapolis. You know, it's like, I don't need it. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. You know, so for maybe, for maybe Mr. Rogers, he's thinking too small. Mm, could be. Maybe like, okay, fine. Pay me what you want, but I don't need it. Just send it over to, um, you know, a local hospital, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah. create a mm. shelter for puppies i don't you know whatever but just do something for puppies all right joe i think joe do you gotta go buddy i do i do this has been fun i really appreciate it y'all okay before you go oh. uh, yeah. we ask oh. five oh. questions of every yes we'll give them okay, real quick five questions, we'll quick. Five questions yeah. and then you can go all right here's our five questions ready joe question ready. number one what are you drinking Okay, so what's your go-to drink? What is your like? This is my drink, or what are you even just drinking right now? If you got right now, drink? it's black coffee, and I uh, am doing this intermittent fasting, so it's only black coffee till noon. Oh my gosh, buddy! Yeah. Wow, we're, we're in the fitness, and we'll health. see. There you go. <laughs> okay, black coffee. Well, what's your go-to coffee? Uh, 
so if I'm buying out, it's it's Starbucks um, because I like the rewards program there. Uh, but at yeah. home, there's a uh, we we grind uh, Mount Comfort Mount Comfort coffee. I think it's huh. based out of Utah, but uh, it's it's good, and we we order from there. Okay, question number two: What are you reading? So, what is a what's a book you're reading right now, or what's a like a magazine or a blog that you really yeah. appreciate and you would recommend yeah. it to anybody? Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm currently going through A Cast by Taylor Wilkinson, uh, a really good book. It's, it's redefining, right, it's redefining uh, uh, how we look at our, uh, our history uh, and, and really, I think, naming appropriately uh, the caste system of which we've lived in in America. That's, that's one. Um, but I've been moving towards uh, audiobooks because I realized I that it. I buy all these paper books that I don't read. But I listen right. to podcasts. I listen to stuff all the time. So, um, so yeah. moving over to to uh, to audiobooks and, and trying to find. So you're you're there. you're buying audio of the paperback so that you can go back and forth or <laughs> now, well, so so the 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 uh, the strategy is to buy the audiobooks and then get the cheaper Kindle version. So if okay. I do want to take notes. It still adds up to about the right. same as a paperback. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Honestly, you're not the only one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially with Whisper Sync, where they two connect. I yeah. love oh, that. Oh, that's so, so cool. So, that is good. So good. Okay. So the next question is actually it's the next thing. What are you listening to? So it can be new music or even yeah. old music you love. But not audiobooks. Or a, or a podcast that you <laughs> yeah. really enjoy. Yeah. yeah. What are you listening to? So um, I'll give you two. One is I love everything in the Ringer Podcast Network. Um, and so uh, Bill Simmons talks sports and, and culture. Yep. Uh, Dave Chang uh, is on that and he talks everything food and uh, Korean American. We have a lot of uh, synchronicity there. And he talks a little about his evangelical upbringing and pushing away from that and just a lot of creative ideas. Um, in terms of music, and uh, I wish I knew the name of this group, but um, it's uh, Joanne and I, we've been really trying to get more in tune with our uh, Korean heritage and culture. And there is a, a style of Korean singing, ancient, right? That is this like gut-wrenching, just, just from the heart, from the soul, you can feel it. Um, and it was part of the, the, the uh, you would tell stories and you would tell right through the singing. They put it towards, uh, they put it to modernized music, like contemporary Ooh. music. So it is, uh, oh, awesome. yeah, it is really good. So look up Korean uh, ancestral or cultural singing in modern. It's really Love cool. it. Oh, that's cool. Okay. okay. Yeah, that, you, you'll need to find a link for that. Yeah, well, that yeah, we'll get a link. I'll find that. I'll find that. Uh, what are you watching? So it could be what you're binging on Netflix. It could be a good documentary you want everybody yeah. to watch or YouTube channel, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I am anxiously waiting for the Ted Lasso to drop uh, this Friday, oh, yeah. I believe. So, yes. so we're waiting for that. Yep. And that's something that we're, we're looking forward to. Um, uh, I just finished uh, Madam Secretary. Uh, so I was binging that. Um, and so some of those uh, political shows with, you know, feel mm -hmm. good. Um, you know, I watched West Wing for the fourth Heck time yeah. you know right so love it. these kind of uh shows is the ones that I, i've been really drawn to oh, i love it and our fifth question craig and i show up at your doorstep joe where are you taking us to eat or what are you whipping up in your kitchen ah. for? <laughs> yeah uh, yeah oh my goodness you show up in in washington uh, at my house uh we will be making a uh, pork belly we'll be we'll be grilling some pork belly with some korean marinade and and 
uh, grilling that, wrapping it in lettuce wraps with uh, with the with the sauce, and then uh, we'll be making a stew that's a soybean paste that's uh, using the grease of the pork belly. Oh, so that works for any time. That works well with my low carb diet. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, rice Love is it. optional. You just make it, it up and you go to go. So wow, awesome. for any time. Awesome. Love it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. You Good to meet you, Joe. Oh, uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been fun. We'll see ya. See ya. Talk to you soon. Cody, you staying on? Oh, there I you am. are. I'm on. You are. Yep. Yep. I'm still here. So, All right. Uh, hey, that was a great conversation. I'm glad you connected with Joe. That was fun. Yeah. Good, good, good. Okay. So we got, uh, we did uh, food and faith. We did uh, filthy rich. We did some football. What's the next step you want to talk about? Well, um, well, I did mention fondue. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did mention Phineas and Ferb, even yeah. though Phineas is PH, Ferb is an F. That's right. You know, it's got the sound. Um, it's the alliteration also deals with sound. Yeah, yeah. This is cool. um, I don't know what I want to say about any of those things. I'm just thinking of great topics, you know. <laughs> well, uh, we could talk about um, uh, a fire. We could talk about film. If you want you know, we, to, we could talk about uh, fantastic failures converted Ooh. into awesome podcast narratives. Oh, oh, have, are you talking about uh, Mars Hill? Have you I been listening to that? that? Have you been listening so to the Mars got, Hill? I got the first episode down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch up, and I'll be waiting. It, I think it, one drops. Oh, it's on Thursdays, right? No, yeah. It's on so Tuesdays. I, I think I've listened to four of them. Oh, awesome! And. Uh, you know, it, it, in some ways, it's just an incredible, uh, I, I find it just a valuable perspective on, especially North American or U.S. Christendom and yep. marketing uh, yep. Yep. And, and, you know, good intentions gone wrong. Uh, and, and, you know, watching how the, the development of things all the way back to the, you know, the Jesus movement, yep. in, you know, that, that gives rise to Calvary Chapel, then to the Vineyard then that gives rise to all these other kind of corporate non-denominational entities. Yep. Uh, and the, and, and then the, the counterpoint to it, which is what Mars yeah, would yeah. do. And, and then there's the place where we stepped in, you know, yeah. where you and I met with the LA loan bunch yeah. and, and they were in those conversations at the beginning, but then those, some of those conversation partners, uh, left saying there's nothing of the past worth holding on to. And that became the Mars Hill folk. Yeah. And they're those people who said there's something in the past that we need to hold on to. And that was, you know, like Doug Paget. Sure. Uh, and the new monasticism and all yeah, that. And, yeah. And, and, and so that, and that, that emerging church kind of had that, that early separation yeah. and it goes, it goes through, um, you know, that, that story. And I just, I just found it fascinating. There's a young, young, young man who, um, I have, um, I've coached him. Uh, I've kind of followed him, befriended him for quite a number of years. Really a, a great fellow. Really would love him to have him to be, uh, I want to tap him to be a church planter and come and replant our church. Have, you know, have him oh, awesome. actually work for us and um, apply his skills, you know, here in this community. But oh, he awesome. is so solidly in that, not the Mars Hill movement, but Bethel Church and and sure. uh, what is it, City Church or whatever you know yep. those kind of models. But yep. his theology is all fed by Richard Rohr, 
uh, Derek Flood. Uh, and it's like, okay, how are you walking this? Uh, <laughs> right. We need to come, pl- you know, come, come work with us. Oh, that's interesting. It's almost like I fear that I'll have to, you know, do some kind of exorcism to get that Bethel stuff out of his background. <laughs> part out of there, right? Yeah, yeah, because it does have so much to do with the solitary, charismatic leader. Uh, yep. Uh, telling everybody what's best. Can I? So I'm interested. I don't. I don't believe the podcast is going. I don't know how many episodes it's playing for. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't believe. I don't believe it's going to go in this direction. But I would love. Maybe even you and I could do a, a a spinoff series to fill in this gap. But between, um, uh, you know, the Mars Hill connection, not actual connection, but I mean right. the ethos connection and the um, the spiritual heritage connection to Donald Trump. And uh, um, oh. Jordan Peterson, you know, those yes. that I can see it. Like when people yeah. sit there and go like uh, I've had this conversation with many people who are like, I don't understand how people stay connected to Donald. Like, I don't get it. Where did it come from? But see, I have in the, my back of my mind folks like Mark Driscoll and the type of people he drew to himself. Right. I see the same thing. I see the same yeah. connection. Yeah. Um, one of the comments that was made in that podcast was one of the characteristics of a narcissist is somebody who's both a martyr and a hero. Yep. You know, yep. they, they're, yep. they're being persecuted for their efforts, yet they're also victorious. They're, they're like a martyr who doesn't die. <laughs> That's right. There it is. And, and, and then the people they draw are people who are whatever, for whatever reason, fill in culture they feel the slight and, you know and, uh, and i'm glad you, you know put jordan I mean? peterson in that in that category because such a whiner exactly oh. and the, but the and yet talking the group he talks to are people who like if you gave them some true direction and true vision and true something to sink their teeth into could do incredible things but this is who who they've been drawn to right oh yeah so, yeah it's it's uh, i gosh how would you expand that list also though i know i don't know i mean and, I, and where I would you draw the line i see the connection i don't know I yeah, just see yeah. there and i'm like yeah boy and i can remember boy uh, craig i don't know when you what your uh, thoughts about mark driscoll where they were and when but I can remember, do you remember the book? Like I always had, a, I just did not like him for his, uh, his style. And some people do, they love that. And I'm like, oh, so for a while I was like, okay, well, he's drawing people who need to be in church and that, okay. It kind of like what Joe was talking about, you know, like I can't be, I'm, that's not who I am. So I'm not going to draw those people, but uh, Mark is. But at one point, and I can tell you when it was, I was already kind of turned off by him. But when, do you remember the book, The Shack, right? Of course. Right, right. When he stood up in front of his church and he essentially told them all, like, like the book or not like the book, I don't care, but he told them, I have read this book. None of you in here should ever read this book. I was just like, no, like, that's so <laughs> not what a leader should be doing and who they no. are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah, and, that was for me. I was like, that's it. That, no. You know, I, I, I thought I, I was I was turned off as soon as I'm thinking it was I think it was Christianity Today that did a, an article on him as the swearing pastor. <laughs> right, right, right. I can't remember if that was the title, but that might have been a subtitle in the article. And I thought, 
just what a poser. Yeah. You know, I, I just thought this this is this is just a character he's playing. This is a part, yep. a, you know, something he's just portraying in order to get maximum, you know, uh, response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it just seemed like it just seemed like another case of of uh, mega church marketing. That's right. That's yep. And it worked great in Seattle for the uh, folks he was drawing. And exactly. The disillusion and the punk, you know, the punk rock. Yeah. You know, type of yep. And um, and then uh, the story of him and his interactions with his, you know, they're supposed to be on equal footing as elders of the church. And he essentially fired them. And I was like, what? Wait, you can like, do that? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't know that's how that worked. That, that's okay. not my ecclesiology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, whoa. But yeah, so those were, I think those two moments when I, when I, you know, the, uh, the whole book, the, you know, yeah. I already was turned off anyway. And then the like, you know, you don't do this because I am the one who knows and you, uh, I'm telling you don't, you know. You know, there's, there's a, there's a side of me that, that I don't want to feed um, because I, I, I can be incredibly critical of other pastors. That's, yeah, and, <laughs> and I know back in the day when, uh, before I listened to podcasts while I'm driving or audiobooks, and you run out of radio stations and I would listen to, I would, I would throw myself into listening to some of these Christian radio stations, oh, which yeah. had, you know, Bible studies and sermons mm -hmm. and, and they were some of the worst in the world. <laughs> Oh, and, yeah. and I remember I would catch myself um, being critical and yeah. like, that's wrong. That's stupid. Where did you get at? You know, that's, you know, and then I, then I decided I needed to be a little more devout, uh, practice a little more grace and holiness. So I started praying against those people that one, anybody who hears these things would forget them immediately. And that, that something would happen to shut the person up or make, make them go back to school. You know, oh, um, that, man. That, that was my charitable prayer. Uh, <laughs> um, wow. but I just, I didn't like, I didn't like that critical spirit rising up in me. Yeah, and so I've tried to try to be careful of that, yeah. but you mentioned, you mentioned the shack and it reminded me, I think it's kind of an interesting connection. There's a, a, a tiny little book called the pastor, yeah. uh, by, uh, by, by Paul Young and, okay. and, uh, Brad Jersak. Oh, and I'm trying to think if they did it as a published book. I need to look. No, I don't. Oh, I don't. Sounds good. I like both Oops. It's a. It's an audible book, and I'm trying to find the discussion on it. But the on Audible, they developed it as a like a four character play. Oh, awesome! So it's well, so it doesn't so it doesn't read like a book as much. It reads. I mean, it, you listen to it and you you sound like you're listening to a you know extended radio drama kind of a thing. Yeah, like um, a stage reading or something. Right, but it, but it really tells the story of one of these narcissistic pastors who's narcissistic yeah. uh, because they are hiding uh, all kinds of you know um, inner demons, I guess, and yeah. how things go all out of control. Um, in a you know you know in a horrible way, and it's it doesn't end there. It actually tries to move through a process of restoration, not res restoration, oh. not restoring oh, the person as a past, but restoring the person as a human being. Love it, love it. Um, and so oh, it's I gotta hear this. It's 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 a little bit oh contrived, I guess. Sure. It's it's almost like a forced parable. 
Um, but but I think it really does convey some very interesting ideas. Uh, and cool. so so that's that that was a good book. I'm gonna check that out. The pastor. All right, I'm gonna check yeah. that out. Nice. Hey, what are you what are you reading these days? Um, right now I'm reading. Um, oh gosh, man, the name of the book is called. I'm gonna get the order wrong. It's Shalom, Salam, Peace. I think is the oh. name of the, and it is by Allison uh, Stokes, I think, and it is a a good study of the foundational teachings in Judaism, um, Islam, and Christianity about peacemaking. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that reminds me, someday we ought to have, uh, as a guest, perhaps, uh, Matt Tibbles. Matt was a a youth minister when I met him doing some missional consulting. Um, And then uh, now he is a professor at uh, Eastern Mennonite University in their um, Justice and Peace uh, master's program. And he he also helps facilitate those types of conversations. Oh, I love it. um, Around peacemaking from different traditions. Uh, So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Let's get him on. Maybe I can track down this Allison Stokes. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, it'd be fun to have the two of them together. Have them both on. Have a panel conversation. Sounds good. Sounds good. We could get, okay, we could get those two. And, um, uh, I, I think, I don't know if it's here locally, but in the Pacific Northwest, there's an, an, an indigenous, indigenous peacemaking uh, group that, uh, or if we could get the three of them, you know, we, somebody from the, we, 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 one of our, um, previous guests, um, Tobin, um, Miller yeah. sure. So mm-hmm. he works with somebody in Montana who works with indigenous peoples and issues of faith. Ah, love it. And, and I cannot remember her name. I think she teaches, okay. she teaches in, Mon- she's a professor in Montana, but there might be some connections for that. Ooh, but maybe, and maybe, maybe you could uh, invite Carla to be a part of that podcast because she's working on a curriculum for about indigenous people's history uh, for, for the public schools. So, Oh, will they even allow her to teach it? Uh, that's a very good question in Idaho. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I, somebody I read the uh, somebody's comment today was something like, I cannot believe we're at the point where we are fighting over whether teachers can teach the truth or not. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. 1984, my friend. And 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 it's um, there's a there's a really cool Idaho news network of reporters called the Idaho Sun. And it's a nonprofit uh, news agency that has gathered some of the best uh, independent reporters in Idaho. Love it. And it's so it's really not it's it's gathered intended to be nonprofit journalism, so it doesn't have a corporate um, yeah. sponsorship. Nothing yeah. they're to. And uh, they're doing some really good investigative reporting, and they tried to get a freedom of information release from the lieutenant governor of Idaho. And That's right. And she did not, she was not forthcoming. Oh. And, and then once the material did come, they were charged for a redaction fee. So going through and editing and redacting documents. 
costs somebody some time and money. $560, I think, was the was the charge. And so it's like, okay, fine, we pay that, no problem. Another news agency made the same freedom of request, um, uh, freedom of information request. They too were charged $560. But the thing is, it shouldn't be charged again because the work had already been completed for the first agency. Which, why are they redacting and editing anyway? Yeah, well, it's it's uh, to protect the individuals, uh, individual um, individuals in the community who wrote an email to this particular um, board that the lieutenant governor is heading up. A third yeah. news agency, this one I think it was the, the statesman out of the statesman, uh, ended up getting charged I think twice the amount. It was like a, it was like eleven hundred dollars for the same oh. freedom of information request. Like the work had been done. There was no, there was no redaction fee, and anyway, so it's going, it's going to the courts, wow. which I hope you know uh, wow. help further the cause of independent uh, journalism and journalistic accountability. Uh, so somebody um, that panel, that committee that she's put together, at least one person resigned because he was like, uh, "This is this, basically this is terrible." What we're yes. what we're doing, even this person that she's handpicked. To be on yeah. there, even had a conscience enough like this is not right. I, and all, I believe he was I a was was he a professor? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's wow. It's it's a it's a crazy thing that's that's um, you know it's highlighted here in Idaho, but it's not isolated to Idaho. It's no, part of the whole. 20, like, 24 states are going yeah. through something. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, but uh, it is, it is, it is uh, I don't know if it's something to be boastful and, and, and encouraged about. It's really nice to know that Idaho can lead the way in some things. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're further down the, uh, the autocratic uh, fascist drain than most people. Uh, <laughs> wow. We're okay. flushing out that horrid democracy and stuff. So flushing out, there's an F. I love it. All there we right. go. <laughs> well, actually, I do need to go myself, Craig. So <laughs> it's a good, smooth segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're flushing uh, term. It reminded me, I got to go to the bathroom. So that, that's exactly what I thought you meant. You didn't have to get that quite specific. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Hey, if right. I am nothing, I am nothing, uh, Craig. If not Frank, huh? well, uh, you have a you have a fabulous uh, um, time um, flushing. Um, it, <laughs> it may be frequent and oh, fabulous. No, well, regular, fulfilling, fulfilling. Regular. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, my friend. All right, another great episode in the books. That's very good. We'll hopefully get this thing up and posted and dropped soon. So while everything is still a hot topic. Yes. Yeah. I love it. After, All right. After you cut record, I'll ask you something. Okay. I'm going to cut record right <laughs> now. Thanks for joining Cody Stoffer and me, Craig Morton, for this podcast. We simply try to record and upload without much editing. What you get is live conversation with all its ignorance and insight, wisdom and foolishness, sometimes more of one than the other, and occasionally profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment.
and look for upcoming Facebook Live podcasts where you can interact with our guests. Also, we can be found on Twitter as at All That's Holy. Our intro and outro music is by At The Speed Of Darkness. Support At The Speed Of Darkness on Bandcamp and buy his music there, as well as follow him on Instagram at At The Speed Of Darkness. 